You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? This is another episode of the Slapping Mead Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randall Beatley, and I am your host for this show. Today, we are going to cover my reactions, my sort of review of um, Elimination Chamber. And yes, I know this is a few days behind. I have decided to go back to one episode a week. I'm just going to be honest, I've I'm worn out just having to constantly record and 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 um so this is going to be the decision. I'll I'll make one episode a week from here on out on Wednesdays. Um and so today's episode is going to be reviewing elimination chamber now it turned out to be a lot better than i had previously assumed that it was going to be um i thought we were going to get a a very i don't want to say boring but very uninteresting show and it turned out that we got something very good um, in the spots that ended up being good. WWE, Triple H, whoever did booking of this show, right? They did a very good job of, even though some things may not have ended the way people may have wanted, they did a very good job continuing storyline um, in, in a lot of these um, circumstances. So we're going to go down match by match. So we start the night with the women's... Um, Women's Elimination Chamber match. Winner gets to face Bianca at um, WrestleMania. Now, you come into this with that stipulation, understanding a Raw superstar is winning this match. Um, And so that's Carmella, that's Asuka, and um, Nikki Cross. There's your Raw superstars. Um... You then eliminate Nikki Cross from that, and you you can kind of pretty easily predict that you can eliminate um, Carmella from that, and and it's very predictable that Oscar is winning this match. However, predictable does not mean bad every single time. Um, I would say that the match was still very good. It had some good spots. It wasn't the best chamber match, um, but it was a very good match. It told a story. I think Asuka, you know, she's on this run that could potentially lead her to be champion again. Um, That's something I think Triple H, you know, Triple H was very fond of her 
when she got to WWE and, and NXT, and I think they that they're gonna reinvent who Asuka is, and I think that's a very exciting thing. Um, B- Belair needs to lose the belt, not because she doesn't deserve it, but because we need to reinvent her and allow her to be, you know, allow her to chase the, uh, these belts, the, these championships, because that's where she's better at anyway. Um. So overall, that first match, I'm going to give it like a B-. minus. It wasn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world, but it was not bad at all. We then move into what Bobby versus uh, Brock, and this was probably the worst match of the night. It was a, it was a finisher fest, like most Brock Lesnar matches are, um, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. It's it just it, 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 you get what you get with Brock Lesnar. The problem that I have is the way this thing finished. A low blow uh, kick to the groin from Brock to Bobby. I'm not exactly certain the story they're they're telling. Um, even as of this recording, I actually haven't watched Raw yet. Um, so um, I'm not exactly certain what the storyline going from here is. Um, but... I, I'm assuming that we'll probably get a fourth match, a no DQ match at WrestleMania, um, and that that is where this feud will end. That's going to be my assumption. Um, nothing really special in this match. Just um, um, so then we move forward to Beth. And Edge, Beth Phoenix and Edge versus Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor. Um, again, nothing special of a match. Um, I, I will say it looked like Beth Phoenix had a little bit of ring rust from not being a performer all the time. Um, but this match also showed me that Rhea Ripley is probably the best thing in the women's division. Um, Rhea needs to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. She, she needs to. It's the only thing I think that makes any hint of sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, this match went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. You give Canada, you know, a, a big moment to cheer for with Edge and, and a, in a victory, and um, it went the way I expected it to, to go. I hope this feud is over. Like, it's been like a year now that... Like, ever since Edge has come back in 2022, like, with the Judgment Day and starting that, like, all he's been through is Judgment Day storyline, and it's time to sort of move past all of that. Um, We then go to the men's Elimination Chamber match, um, which is match of the night. This by far, all six competitors, I think, got over in this match. Bronson Reed got over. Uh, Gargano got over. Seth got over. Um, of course, Austin Theory got over. But the superstar of the night, Montez Ford. Montez Ford is going to be the future of this company. I'm 100% certain. Everyone thinks it's going to be Austin Theory or someone like a Braun Breaker. Carmelo Hayes could potentially give some sort of um, 
challenge. But Montez Ford is a superstar in the making. Um, I need him to get the rocket strapped to him and blast him into outer space as far as he can go. Um, and and I thought that could, that this could have been the time to do that um, and give us a surprise victory of Montez Ford. But what I think what we could see with this is potentially Montez getting this ego about him where he's like, bro, you're holding me down. He goes to Angelo Dawkins and basically says, you're holding me down. Um, we got a split. I can't keep carrying you. Um, and then that leads maybe Dawkins to go and get recruited by um, Hurt Business, which is, I'm assuming is coming back. Um, and and so he, he joins that faction, and then Montez Ford goes off and does his own thing, which I think will be a very good um, a good thing for his career. Montez Ford is a he has that potential to be that guy. He has great personality. He's good in the ring. He he sells well, and, and I don't know. I just Montez Ford is a fan favorite in the making um, all day. But, ha- of course, we get Austin Theory retaining, but we set up some story here. We get Logan Paul interrupting the match, uh, Buckshot Lariat to Seth Rollins, then a stomp um, leading to Theory A-Town down ends the match. This is an interesting WrestleMania match. It's going to be Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. This is very interesting to me. Because I don't think you bring in Logan Paul to lose another match in a row. Like, right, he loses to Roman, but it doesn't really hurt him because it's a title match and he performed very well. But a loss to, in like a singles one-on-one match, a loss to Seth Rollins, I think sort of hurts the, the mystique of Logan Paul. So part of me thinks Logan Paul has to win this. But then another part of me thinks, like, if Seth Rollins loses a WrestleMania match, like, what does that do to his career? Um, and and so, I, I don't know. This is going to be very interesting how this thing um, happens and, and what's the plan from that. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Having Logan Paul beat Seth Rollins, leading Rollins to sort of, like, have a mental breakdown and potentially like what if he breaks down and interrupts the main event and attacks Cody, which calls it right. And that could be the way that they reinitiate that feud while Roman continues with the belt. Um, you know, I've said this numerous times on this show. I believe that Roman should carry this through SummerSlam where Sami Zayn then beats him. Cause I don't think they're done with this feud. The one the one segment that I did watch overall was that opening segment with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and I've seen previews of that multiple times of that promo, and he made it seem like he's not done, that it's sort of like his mission to see the downfall of the bloodline. So I think Roman's leaving Mania with the belts, and I think Sami's winning money in the bank, and I think he's cashing in on Roman. Um I don't think we're. I, I know the thing that people are going to talk about is, well, what if we get Kevin versus Sammy at WrestleMania and they're going to take the belts off the Usos? I could see that happening, 
But I ult- you ultimately don't end the bloodline till you take down Roman. And I think that's where Sami Zayn's sort of head is going to be at. Um, I, and plus, I don't want another sort of put-together tag team just for the sake of putting together a tag team. Uh, established real tag teams that could take the belt. Right? There's no reason why someone like Drew... And Sheamus gets thrown together and immediately gets thrown into the top of the tag division. Or Braun Strowman and Ricochet. Or, uh, you know, even like a Kevin and a Sammy who, they're they're not a legitimate tag team together. Um, There are legitimate tag teams that can wrestle for these tag titles. um, Who have, right? And so, I I just wish there was a little bit more care of the tag team division. Um, But speaking of... Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. This match, well, it was the only match I came to to really want to see, and this thing had me on the edge of my seat the entire match. Right, so you get this entrance, and then the bell rings, and you get the stare down for like five minutes. And I know a lot of people, like I know I was watching with my dad, and he was like, "Well, are you going to hit each other? Are you going to fight? What are you doing?" They're building tension. It's the point in the movie where the villain and the the bad guy and the good guy meet. And you have that stare down right before the battle happens. That like drawn out uh, stare down with music playing in the background. Yeah, this is that moment, right? Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, they're finally meeting and they're having the stare down. And the Canadian crowd, the home team's all into it. Right, cheering for Sammy. Right, and then the match finally begins. They start to, to beat to beat each other up. They start throwing punches, and and you get a very very good competitive match. And then like there's the the false finishes that they. Have. I'm not a big fan of false finishes, but the when they're done right and when WWE does something right, this was just right on the money. Right, Sami Zayn using the Superman punch, following it up with the Halufa kick, with a one-two, and a very, very slight, slight kick out, like right before it hits three. Right, and then you get the 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 classic Roman Reigns match move, where the ref gets knocked down, and then the USO show up. So here's my question, because of all the research I did. Leading up to to my predictions of of Elimination Chamber, I I came to the conclusion there was no way in hell the Usos could make it into Canada. So WWE, please explain to me how the hell the Usos got cleared to get into Canada, right? Because I was under the assumption that once you had a single DUI, um. It was hard, but then if you have multiple, and especially if they were like recent DUIs, and we know, I think it was Jimmy that had one last year in 2022, right? So I want to know how in the hell did Jimmy Uso, did Jay Uso get into Canada? Did you like smuggle them over the border? Like, did you work out something with the government? Like, what is the situation going on here that got the Usos into Canada and 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 were able to show up. And is that going to be something that's going to be like a long-term thing 
um, for um, for WWE. Like, are the, are, are, anytime you go to Canada now, or can I just throw out the assumption that the Usos won't be there? Are are the Usos going to show up in Canada every every year now when you make your Canadian tour? Because um, if so, then that that that's good. That's a good thing. Um, so the Usos show up. And, and, uh, of course, Jimmy's beating down Sammy. Jay gets in the ring, and they sort of play off of Royal Rumble. Roman hands Jay the chair, and he can't hit Sammy. So Roman then takes the chair from him and, and starts to beat up Sammy himself with the chair. And, and, and of course, then Roman starts, you know, finishing this match, doing the finishing sequence. And... Roman picks up the victory. And there wasn't as loud of, of an audible boo that I thought that there would be. Maybe they muted the mics at this point. Um, but every, I've been saying, and like my thought going into this was, if you're going to have Sami Zayn lose, which is the logical thing in this story, you have to sort of book yourself out of this loss. Because Montreal will not take it. right Now, how do they book themselves out of this loss for Sammy's getting beat up. Well, who comes to the savior? Who comes to be the savior? Kevin Owens. So now the the, the the Montreal crowd can sort of leave happy. This is a great booking. This is what I'm talking about. Well, whoever controlled the booking did a very good job at booking this event. Um, it seems that when Triple H has small deadlines in between shows, he does a lot better at booking Versus the, the three weeks leading from Rumble to Elimination Chamber, those three weeks seem to be a lot better booking than the eight, nine weeks between War Games and Royal Rumble. Um, and so I thought that this show as a whole was like a B plus, very, very good pay-per-view, premiere live event, whatever you want to call it. I thought that... Um, I thought that almost every match, I mean, with with only having five matches, I like that, right? Because it gives each match its time to breathe, right? When you have eight matches on a card, it, it right, especially, like, what else could you have added? I would like to see Gunther defend his championship on a premiere live event, but it's not really needed. It's, it's, it's really not. Have that be like a TV title where he defends that. On TV, that would be great. That 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 would make that title mean something. It would mean it would make SmackDown mean something, right? The U.S. titles being more so used as a main title on Raw, and so you have a defense for it on a pay-per-view. Um, I don't know what else you add to add to this. Um, so. I thought it was a very good show. I'm really excited for what's co- going to come th- with WrestleMania. Um, you're starting to see a direction in which they're headed. We know we're going to get Charlotte and Rhea. We're going to get Asuka and Bianca. We're going to get Roman and Cody. So we have three matches. I'm assuming it's going to be Seth and Logan Paul. We'll probably get Cena and Theory is what probably is going to be the match. We'll probably get Edge and Balor for one last time. 
Um, I'm assuming we'll get a U.S. title match. Theory and Cena, I don't see that being a U.S. match, so maybe Theory loses it in the 30-some days before, or maybe we just don't get a, a, a actual title match. I don't know. We'll see what we get. I'm assuming Gunther will fight and defend the, the championship. Um, my assumption going into it right now is it's going to be Sammy and Kevin versus the Usos for the tag team championships. Um, we'll probably get a battle royal and then, you know, maybe some other fun matches here and there. Um, some mid card stuff. Um, and so I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a fun time in wrestling right now we're getting like the next next big event is wrestlemania and we're what 38 39 days away so this is going to be a fun fun time over the next month or so to see as things move on that's what i got on elimination chamber now before i end this show there there is one other thing it's not really necessarily part of the show but sort of related to the show um and that and that is um, Ariel Hawani, Hawani and Tony Khan's little feud um, going on at the current moment. And essentially, what's been happening is from my understanding is Hawani was shown on SmackDown as well as the Elimination Chamber. I know he was on the pre-show, but uh and so he goes on there. Tony Khan then makes a tweet. Um, I'm trying to pull it up as I speak, so give me a second. Um, so Tony Khan goes off and tweets the following, um, if this will ever load, oh, this thing right here is, he basically calls... I want to read the full tweet, and my phone's taking forever to load. Um, here we go. So it's, you're a fraud, Ariel Hilwani. You're as legitimate as a reporter as Tony Schiavone. Hashtag AEW Rampage. Now I have my my I have critiques of this tweet. So this is a segment I like to call "Shut Up, Tony." Like really, to shut up. Like like I. But we're gonna continued continue with sort of the thread here. So Hawani then responds. 
Thanks for watching, old friend. Can't wait for our next chat. Also, don't listen to the snowman, Shivani. You're a legend in my book. Tony then responds, good luck with the unbiased journalism. Now, I don't know the whole background of this, but Tony Khan doesn't like him for whatever good odd reason. Um... And then Tony, not Tony, Ariel Hawani then goes on his podcast on Monday, I think it was. And let me find the, uh, right here. And, and basically puts my ideas, he basically says what my two critiques are. Um, so this is what uh, Hawani says on MMA Hour podcast. Quote, I see, this guy, uh, I see this tweet from Tony Khan, and I read it like three times. I swear to God. I thought it was fake. I thought it was fake. You know, because anybody can have a blue check, right? This guy doesn't follow me. He's never tweeted me. I was like, there's no way that he actually tweeted this. Uh, number one proving that he was watching, which is bizarre. Why would you put the competition over and show that you're watching some random SmackDown at some random moment in the telecast? Number two, putting down his own guy in the process, the great Tony Schiavone, Atlanta sports legend, calling me a fraud and then saying that I am as much as a journalist as Schiavone. Now, I'm trying to think what is his point that he was trying to prove here. Is he trying to prove that Shivani isn't a journalist? Correct me if I'm wrong. As an Atlanta guy, doesn't he kind of have some respect as a media dude? So this guy is calling me a fraud. Then he's saying Shivani is as much of a journalist as me. I guess trying to imply that he's not a real journalist. And that I'm not a real journalist. But why insult your own guy in the process? So these are my two um, things. These are my two critiques. Other than, like, Tony, you don't have to actually respond to everything and you're acting like a child again. Um, let's talk about point two first, bringing down Shivani. Right? It's one thing to critique Ariel Hawani. Right? It's one thing to, to critique him and say you're a fraud. But to critique someone who works for you, I'm sorry. If I'm Tony Shivani and I see that tweet, I'm calling Tony personally... And saying, you ever do that shit again, I'm quitting. And I'm not just going to quit in secret. I'm going to quit live on air. Right? And I'm going to make it, uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to shoot on you, Tony. Like, like, I'm just letting you know. Right? That, that would be the message I would tell Tony. You do that shit again. I'm, I'm shooting on you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going out with a bang on live TV. Um, so... Um, but let's talk about Shivani. Let's talk about Shivani. So he starts in Jim Crockett, of course goes to WWF, does uh, WCW, does some TNA. In wrestling, he goes back into wrestling in 2017 with MLW and, of course, AEW. However, outside of the world of professional wrestling, Tony Shivani became the sports anchor uh, 
for WDUN in Gainesville, Georgia, and WSBAM in Atlanta. Um, he's also done some other stuff in Dayton, Ohio. He was a writer for the Georgia Bulldogs radio network um, and produced the best of the Bulldogs, which won the AP Award for Best Sports Program in 2004. Along with being a writer for Georgia Bulldogs radio network, Shivani also works one of the post-game talk shows for Georgia Bulldogs radio network for home and away games alongside David Green. Um... He worked with the Brave system doing pre- and post-game radio coverage and also spot duty as official scorer for games. Shivani returned to play-by-play duty duties when the Gwinnett Braves began their first season in Georgia as the AAA affiliate of the Braves in 2009. Um... Right. So Tony Khan calls Tony Schiavone not really that much of a journalist when the exact opposite is the case. I'm sorry. If I'm Tony Schiavone, I would not put up with that. And I'm having a stern talk with Tony with Tony Khan uh, telling that crackhead, sm- that crack-smoking motherfucker. That's literally what I would... Would say when he walked in, when we when we start this meeting, I'm saying, listen here, you crack smoking motherfucker, don't ever do that shit again. That's what I would do. That's what I would say to him, if I was Tony Schiavone. Like you don't treat your employees that way. But second, you diminish your own product by showing that you are watching or paying attention to SmackDown, and 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 mention it. In a public ass, in a public space, space, right? I'm sure so people at WWE watch AEW programming. I mean, I'm not saying you can't watch it, but you don't make it known, right? Especially if you're like an executive. If I'm the owner of AEW, I'm not mentioning that I'm watching the the competitor and giving him more views, right? And and I'm definitely not going to show Pete say, "Oh, Hawani's on SmackDown," which will allow more people to go over and watch and see what Hawani's doing on SmackDown, right? But Hawani's also like the biggest name, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. If he's biased, he's one of the biggest names in in combat sports and when it comes to journalism. And I don't have an opinion on if he's a good guy, if he's a bad reporter. Apparently he's leaked shit with Dana White or whatever. I don't I don't know, don't care. Right? But this just this just doesn't you just don't do this as the CEO of a of the second biggest pro, uh wrestling company in the world. You just don't do this. This this right? You don't complain that someone else is getting better treatment than you. It just makes you look like you're whining. And and it it gives bad PR, but that's to be expected. From AEW at this point. It's just expected at this point that Tony Khan at some point gives bad PR to the company. Um, so, yeah, that that's sort of all I got for y'all tonight or today. Um, y'all have a great 
rest of your day, right? Great rest of your week. I'll see you next Wednesday, um, and we'll probably we'll actually get back to actually covering wrestling and um, outside of just like a review show. We'll 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 figure out what we'll be recording there. I'd also like to point you guys to the Junkyard Media Group YouTube page, um, where you can. Um, where you can watch uh, my other show that I host called the Calling Audibles Podcast. Me and a bunch of friends do uh, sports talk, college football, pro football. Episode one's already up. Episode two will be this Thursday. Um, so go ahead and tune in to that Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Junkyard Media Group YouTube page. Link is in my bio on TikTok. I'm thinking again. That's we too deep. Four one three is my TikTok. W e t o o d e e p four one three. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you all next week. And uh, until then, y'all have a great rest of your day.